the satisfactions guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. According to the latest research, 12% of us consider an open relationship to be the ideal relationship type, with 4% of the population describing themselves as consensually non-monogamous. So tonight, after 10.15, we're going to talk about the swinging lifestyle or the different different types of open relationships with an expert guest. That's coming up after 10.15, but first... Let's take a look at the inbox. Make a connection anytime at 514-800. Time to answer your questions, uh, you, which you could email me anytime to laurie at drlaurie.com anytime during the week and just uh, tune in at the beginning of every show and I'll have those questions answered for you. Uh, here's the first one. I am pansexual and married to a man. I feel guilty because I miss the touch of a woman. They offer more than a man can. I am not well acquainted with the concept of poly relationships, and I know there is no way I would allow my husband to touch another woman. Yet here I am wishing I could. What should I do? So for first, I just want to get some terms out of the way. So pansexuality basically is the romantic or emotional attraction or sexual attraction towards people, regardless of their sex or gender identity. So another way of, of saying it is uh, like being gender blind, so that it's not gender or sex that are determining factors in uh, the attraction to others, okay? Uh, But what you describe here, to me, doesn't sound like pansexual, but more like bisexual, uh, where uh, you're talking about same sex, just simply women. So your husband and women, uh, which is more bisexual. I'm wondering if your husband is aware that you have a sexual interest in women as well. And frankly, if he doesn't, maybe that's the first conversation you need to have uh, with him. And the second conversation I would have is finding out how he would feel about you taking on a female lover. If you're talking about poly relationships, this is really what we're talking about, where you decide the rules, where it's consensual. You're not going behind your husband's back, but he would know about it. But this has to be negotiated. But the first thing you have to do is figure out his comfort level and his boundaries. Maybe he'll be okay with it uh, under certain conditions. Maybe he'll say, yeah, I'm okay with it as long as I can watch or as long as I can be there. Or I'm okay with it, but just don't tell me about it. Like it depends, right? Everybody is, is different and every couple has to make their own, um, their own rules. He may say, okay, you can have outside relationships, but only with females, no males. I've seen that situation uh, multiple times. Um, and he may say, that's fine. And I can remain faithful. Like again, an agreement that, that the, the two of you make. So it's not, it's not like, well, if you can do it, I can do it too. Of course you could decide that, that that's uh, one arrangement, but he may say, uh, no, I'll remain faithful, but uh, it's okay for me if you do this. Okay. Uh, so I think these are the kinds of questions that need to be talked about. It needs to be hashed out. You've got to think about all the potential, uh, uh, issues. The other thing you can do too is to um, engage the help of a therapist, somebody who's poly friendly, meaning, uh, and you ask them that on the phone, are you poly friendly? Meaning that they understand open marriages. They've worked with people in open marriages uh, to help the two of you 
figure this out. So when you're seeking help, and this is just a, a general thing, when you're looking for help and you're from, say, the LGBT community or you uh, practice a lifestyle or you're poly, you want to ask whatever therapist is there uh, that you're going to hire, uh, you have to ask them the question, are you gay friendly? Are you poly friendly? Uh, And that really just means, is your environment welcoming to uh, these diverse populations? Because some may not be. So I think it's an important question to to ask and to ask if they have experience working with uh, different types of relationships. Ooh, another uh, question about bisexuality here. I'm a 17-year-old guy and currently enrolled in CJEP. Like every guy my age, I see girls in booty shorts and clothing like that, and it turns me on. But I also get turned on when some of the guys at school show some skin when they take off their shirts and are full of muscles. I occasionally look at some of my male friends' butts, but if they are butts if they are facing away from me, or their crotch if they are facing me, and have gotten hard from looking at some of the male students. Does this mean I'm bisexual? So, of course, at the tender age of uh, of seventeen, you're just trying to figure out your sexuality. So it's it is normal to to have this kind of uh, confusion. A person's sexual orientation is based on multiple factors. It's based on how a person identifies, who they have sex with, what gender do they fantasize about, and who they fall in love with. So just because you're having a, a physical reaction to men and women doesn't necessarily mean you are bisexual. Could be, but doesn't necessarily mean... And I think that in time, this just becomes clearer to you and to all of us, our, our sexual identity and our sexual orientation gets formed. Uh, I would suggest that you uh, you go online and look up uh, forums of bi- for, for bisexuality. You'll hear people's stories. You'll be able to converse with people, and it may help you um, understand this kind of, uh, this kind of confusion. All right, one more question. Is there any way to get rid of the repulsion I feel towards sex? I have never been interested in sex, but became a sexual being after graduating high school. I felt it was the adult thing to do. After many missteps and frustrating attempts, I gave up and settled into asexuality. It's been six six years since I've had sex of any kind. It's also been three years since I've had any sort of romantic relationship. I don't miss or desire sex, but I want a boyfriend. I'm worried that my desire to have a boyfriend, let alone a husband, will never be fulfilled because I am repulsed by sex. I want to get rid of this repulsion so that I may lead a more normal life. Any advice. So basically an asexual person is a person who's not interested in or just doesn't desire sexual activity, either within or outside of a relationship. It's not the same as celibacy. Celibacy is a willful decision uh, to not act on sexual feelings and asexuals are uh, can still want romantic ties to others and affection and love and all of that. So 
Um, of course, the trick is finding a partner who identifies also as asexual. Uh, you can go to a website. There's a really good one on, on uh, asexuality called asexuality.org, and I find this really great. In terms of repulsion, that is something that I would want to look into a little bit more, and I would want to get into finding out the origins of, uh, of these things, so um, of like what's going on there. So there I would absolutely recommend counseling. Coming up, we'll talk about the lifestyle, swinging, open relationships, and, uh, consensual non-monogamy. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Have you ever wondered how people navigate consensual, non-monogamous relationships? Do you know the difference between a polyamorous relationship and a swinger? Well, tonight we answer all of these questions with the help of Lexi Silver. She is a podcaster of uh, SDC Presents. She is the author of Erotic Fiction and an adult sexuality educator and entrepreneur. Lexi, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me back, Lori. Love having you on here and love talking about uh, this because people have a lot of questions. The latest research shows that 12% of us consider that an open relationship to be the ideal relationship. Not that 12% engage in that, but in their minds, that would be the ideal scenario. What would explain that to that figure to you? Um, well, I think the, the whole idea is that a lot of us want to be able to experience a lot of different things and might not want to be constrained by any one particular relationship or one particular model of relationships. There's so many different ways to have a relationship and openness or non-monogamy, consensual non-monogamy, there's so many different ways to do that. So by saying that there, that might be an ideal for them, it's the idea that they are not bound by any one person, that they can explore themselves sexually, that they can explore themselves as, as people um, and not have to just, you know, be with one person for the rest of their lives, which right. is the standard for monogamy. And yet uh, many people who are in uh, these, non-cons- these consensual non-monogamous relationships have a primary relationship, like they have good, solid uh, relationships. It's just that the myth out there, or people believe that uh, if you are going outside of your marriage, even though you both agree to it, that somehow your marriage or your relationship must be flawed. And I know that's not the truth, but maybe you want to clarify that for our listeners. Yeah, for sure. And that is a really big misconception. Like there, there are actually a lot of misconceptions about what it means to be in an open relationship. So whether you're married or in any other kind of relationship and you decide to be open, um, it doesn't necessarily, firstly, a consensual part of it means that all, both partners or everybody involved is okay with what's happening. And it doesn't mean um, that there's cheating involved because that's right. the consensual part. Um, the whole idea behind it is that for couples who are interested in, in engaging in an ethically non-monogamous relationship, 
relationship, uh, they want to either spice up their relationship because they love what they have and they want to make it better. So by being able to introduce other people into their lives and into their relationship, well, more so into their lives in their in the bed, let's say, um, they are being able to fulfill each other's fantasies, their their collective fantasies, to try new things, to kind of open up their mind uh, and bodies to experiences that they might never have uh, been able to experience as just a dyad as two people. Right. Our guest is Lexi Silver. She is a podcaster of SDC Presents, a part of the SDC community. What does SDC stand for? <laughs> it used to be called Swingers Day Club, and now we are rebranding to Seek, Discover, Create, which is also the name of my podcast. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Why'd you go away from the Swingers Day Club? <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, the whole idea behind Seek, Discover, Create is to be more open to people who also don't necessarily identify as swingers. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So people who are even just curious or who are just looking into uh, different kinds of open relationships or maybe are not even there yet. Uh, Just people who are interested in learning more about uh, their sexuality and exploring that with other like-minded people. So not necessarily swingers. How often (laughs) do people come to it later in their relationships, like like middle-aged or later? Um, well, you know what? I think as, as people, it takes us sometimes time uh, to get to know ourselves and who we are. And sometimes when, when people end up having kids, uh, you kind of put your life on pause for a couple of years right. while you're starting to, you know, get every, you're getting your lives sort of settled, if that's even a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it does seem to happen that as, you know, couples are together for a little bit longer um, or have established a kind of comfort level and they feel they're at a good place in their relationship and they're comfortable and they could communicate about this because that's a huge part of being in a non-monogamous relationship is that ability to communicate with your partner what it is that you need and what you're looking mm-hmm. for. Uh, so sometimes it's not necessarily that people have been together longer. It's maybe that they're in a place where they can communicate with their partner. So it could be whether they were together for a year or it could be five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I don't know that it's necessarily an age thing because there are swingers and people who are engaging non-monogamy of all different ages. Right. I think it's more a personality thing. And also uh, that- communication level like how 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 well they communicate about sexuality too right yeah and to be able to do that you also have to know yourself you have to know your you know um where you are and what you are looking for in a consensually non-monogamous uh, sorry here we go it's, it's a mouthful it's a mouthful yeah. relationship. Um, so yeah and knowing yourself and being able to communicate that to your partner and feeling you're comfortable enough uh to do that with your partner uh, right. those are all really key so what about if uh, you have one one person in the relationship, let's say they've been together a while, and one person says, oh, I'd love to, I'd love to try swinging. Like, how do you, how would you recommend having the conversation? So I think a huge part of communicating anything to your partner, whether it's I want you to tie me up in bed or, you know, let's go to a swingers club and see what happens, uh, which is not usually the best way to go about it, is really your tone. How are you approaching it? And how well do you know your partner? So sometimes a really good thing to do um, would be to look for models around you. Like you're watching TV together, uh, you see a situation happen, maybe you see an example of non-monogamy and you can, you know, kind of casually ask your partner, what do you think of that? Or, you know, you can mention, hey, my friend is a swinger and, you know, kind of explain a little bit about what it's about. What do you think of that? Do you think that's ever something that you'd be interested in? And to just kind of ask questions. The whole thing is not to approach it with, hey, I want to like, you know, explore with other people, period. It's, you know, (laughs) kind of gauge how your 
partner might feel about it before you kind of launch into that. Yeah, a little tact and uh, 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 proceed with a little caution, like feel it out, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or you, you know? might really throw your partner for a loop. Like the, then it becomes a whole thing where it can create insecurities and I can't believe you want to do that and yeah. I never knew this and <laughs> are you going to cheat? And so, you, yeah, it could it could really turn ugly if not done in the right way. Hey, I've been getting this question quite a bit recently where uh, people have asked me whether they're female or male saying as a single person, can I go to a swingers club? Absolutely. And um, I, I think it's pretty universal that um, there is a gender difference with that. that. Single women who are considered unicorns are welcome virtually everywhere. But okay. some clubs are a bit more selective about single men. Sometimes they have certain evenings where they don't necessarily uh, allow single men to be there just to balance out, uh, I guess, the ratios. Yeah, um, sure. So if you're interested in going to a swingers club and you are single, uh, check out their website first and see the nights that they may or may not admit single men. But single women are always welcome. And yeah, it's fun. It's a great way to meet other singles or other couples or just dance or have a drink and meet people. You don't necessarily have to have sex when you go to a singers club. Right. And I think people don't really understand that. Like they think it's like one big orgy. But maybe walk us through. You walk through the doors. What do you see? Well, it depends on the club, but I mean, at, at first glance, it's very much like a normal club. You go in, you pay your entrance if that's the case, you you leave your stuff at the door, you go in, there's usually a bar, a dance floor, uh, sometimes a stripper pole, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you see people just having normal conversations. Sometimes they're wearing lingerie or they're, they feel a little bit more comfortable, so they wear a little bit less clothing, but typically there's no sex as you walk in. Um, so there's a very normal scene, people are doing a fairly, quote, normal things and then you know usually if you venture a little bit further to the back or upstairs or downstairs or on in a different area there's a play area so the play area could be um a little bit more european style or it's a bit more open and there are people who can see what's going on so you can either you know engage in play with in front of people or watch other people engage in play then there's usually some private rooms um in in some clubs as well uh where you can um you know take people in there that you that you would like sometimes there's little windows there so you can also peek in but it's a little bit more private and um, in some clubs, like my favorite uh, swingers club, Dorage, uh, in Montreal, uh, has like shower areas as well. Uh, they have there's a little terrace with like a little jacuzzi area. Different clubs offer different amenities, um, but I think that just typically at first glance, going from outside, you don't know it's a swingers club. Coming in, you don't necessarily feel like it's a swingers club. Right. It looks like a regular club. Right. Um, the only difference is if you want to do something fun, you could. Okay, Lexi Silver is my guest talking about the swing community, the swinger lifestyle, or as a general umbrella term, consensual, non-monogamous relationships. In the swingers clubs, do you, like people, I don't know if the assumption is, oh, you just go in and you, you know, you you join an orgy. Like there's got to be rules, right? Like there has to be a list of, <laughs> of like, etiquette. isn't there like swingers etiquette? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> as, <laughs> look, every club has their own policies as well. Um, but there is a zero tolerance policy for non-consensual anything. So Good. if you don't ask permission, uh, whether you're male or female, you can't just go touching people, um, whether they're naked or not. Uh, you can't just go... Uh, touching people without asking permission first. You need to be respectful. So respect is the utmost um, quality that everybody is pretty much looking for when you're going into a club that people, that clubs expect that you're going to adhere to when you go in. And among our community,
community. Respect is top, right? So Mm -hmm. respecting yourself, respecting other people around you who you don't know, and respecting the couples as well. So if you notice a couple and they're really hot and you might want to engage with them, you're not necessarily, you're you're not going to be impolite. You're also going to acknowledge the other partner. You're not going to just acknowledge the one person, for example. That's a respect thing. You're not going to go and jump into an orgy um, necessarily. I mean, I've done it at times, but I mean, typically with people I know. um, And you are going to be a little bit um, mindful of also asking permission for the people who are there hey do you mind if i join you and also being comfortable enough to explain your own boundaries saying okay if you are going to be in a situation where you want to play with multiple people that you do explain hey you know i'm i'm okay with so and so touching me but not this person and no please don't do this or don't do that right and even if you're in a situation like that you can always leave or say no at any time so there are no the respect thing is great consent is like absolutely key um but also knowing that you're in a safe place um, at some clubs, they also have, let's say, um, security or people who are walking right. around to make sure that everything is safe, that you're you're okay, and that nothing um, is happening that people don't want to be happening. Especially um, when it comes to also there's alcohol mixed in there because it right. is a club, so there's all of that. Uh, hang out with us a little longer, Lexi, and we'll uh, we got lots more to lots more to ask you and pick your brain about. Uh, My pleasure. All right, Lexi Silver, podcaster of SDC presents as well as the an author of erotic fiction and um, a lifestyler and pretty much a, an expert in this uh, in this area coming up we'll talk about the difference between being a swinger and, or being polyamorous as a different type of uh, relationship uh, style that's coming up the following program contains mature subject matter listener discretion is advised From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. About 4% of the population describe themselves as consensually non-monogamous, and a bunch more, well, not a whole, whole bunch, but let's say 12%, uh, would see that this to be an ideal type of relationship. Doesn't mean they engage in it, but in their minds, they would see this as the ideal scenario. Uh, talking about uh, this consensual non-monogamous relationships, which includes uh, what well, we used to call them just open relationships or swinger relationships or what have you, but there's many more nuances now uh, to, to these kinds of relationships. So the umbrella term is consensual non-monogamous relationships, but they contain all kinds of forms. Uh, right now, we're talking to Lexi Silver, who um, uh, I guess specializes in swinging relationships. Uh, she is a podcaster herself of uh, SDC Presents. She is the author of some pretty steamy uh, books, a new one coming out uh, very soon called Mating Season Erotic Fiction. And she is an educator talks about sexuality, adult sexuality. She's an entrepreneur, and she's our guest, and she's a friend. Lexi. <laughs> Thanks, Lori. What an intro. Well, you deserve it. All right. Let's talk about the difference between swinging and polyamory. Okay, so like all different kinds of relationships, there's no partic- there's no one right way to do it. So there are different ways to be a swinger, different ways to be polyamorous, and there's no one right way. So the real difference between swinging um, or like the traditional definition of swinging and polyamory is about the agreed-upon boundaries between the people who are involved. So t- 
typically a swinger or a swinger couple um, or a swinging relationship will involve a a couple, so a standard dyad, two people uh, who are open to having friendships or sexual relationships with other people, but likely will not intensify those to the point of it being an actual relationship. So the emotional part or the idea of falling in love with other people not is there. not, right. it, well, usually not, okay? Mm-hmm. So because there is sometimes a gray area. So usually it's it all really depend on the agreement between the partner. So their experiences with other people outside the relationship are often like transient. So it's just like maybe for the night or a weekend or whatever, and the couple prioritizes the couple on an emotional level. So other people will not necessarily be included in that. In some forms of polyamory, and there are different forms of polyamory, um, partners can establish a full-on consensually non-monogamous relationship with other people. Um, So the emotional component is present way more as an option um, than in a typical swinger relationship. And there may or may not be a hierarchy, like, um, you know, there could be, uh, for example, um, uh, a partner who is prioritized, maybe they were the original partner in, in this, and then maybe other people were added into the polyamorous relationship later. So sometimes that original partner, uh, the primary partner might be uh, have a different um, standing in this polyamorous relationship, sometimes mm-hmm. not. Uh, there are different levels and different kinds of polyamorous relationships, just like there are different kinds of swinger or open or non-monogamous relationships. Right. It's interesting. In the last... Uh... In the last few years or so, uh, in my practice, I've actually seen throuples, like literally people who are three people in a relationship. Yeah. With all equal standing, basically. Yeah. It's it's a little confusing. (laughs) As though having one relationship is not complicated enough. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, oh my goodness, I have to worry about two people now? And, and, you know, yeah. Yeah. It sounds complicated. Like, I get the... Um, I, I certainly get the, the for people who are non-monogamous and they want to have sexual experiences and what have you, but to mm-hmm. have like multiple relationships where you have one, let's say you're married to one and you have three other boyfriends, like how mm-hmm. do you manage all of that? Well, I mean, just like you manage any other relationship, right? Um, and, you know, and all relationships come with different uh, different challenges. But I think what's interesting about polyamory is your ability to be with partners who might complement different aspects of yourself um, in a way that one partner might not be able to fulfill those needs. Um, I, I, I don't think personally, on a personal note, that any one person can fulfill all of your needs. That's why I'm in a consensually non-monogamous relationship. As far as polyamory goes, when it comes to people who are in multiple relationships, and I had the pleasure of meeting a whole bunch of them at um, uh, Southwest Love Fest in Arizona at a very uh, non-monogamous and polyamorous conference. And mm-hmm. I, I met a lot of really amazing polyamorous um, or like polycules. So multiple people who are part of um, uh, different polyamorous relationships are interconnected with each other. And it's just very interesting. Um, it is a very different um, dynamic. Uh, and yes, you have, you know, your typical relationship issues that you might have like in any other relationship. And there are some added challenges by having to balance your time. So like any other relationship, it's all about balancing your time, understanding what your resources are in terms of your, your money, your, bo- your, your, your energy level, um, the amount of t- like time you have time, to devote. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it really does take a lot of balance. And a lot of ability to communicate, because um, imagine you're not just communicating with you know one partner, you're communicating with different partners. Couldn't and... even ima- couldn't even imagine <laughs> fitting in 
uh, yet another relationship in this busy life. Like, uh-uh, not happening. I, I, I like to people who do it. I, I I'm always amazed, always yeah. quite amazed. So there's this belief that that a lot of the women or most women who are in the lifestyle are bisexual. Is that true? No, it is not. And that might surprise some people um, or disappoint some people. But no, that's not the case. Uh, I identify as bisexual. um, But there are some women who are in the lifestyle who don't identify as bisexual. However, sometimes they are opportunists. And if they're in a situation where there's another woman, maybe they'll touch them, maybe they'll kiss them, maybe they'll play a little bit, but they might not necessarily consider themselves bisexual. Then there's some other women who never play with other women because it doesn't interest them. Just like not all men in the lifestyle are bisexual either. So so right. it, it, it really depends. But, okay. Yeah. But no, short answer is no, not all women are bisexual in lifestyle. Is there um, any double standards that, that you can identify in, I mean, in terms of, I don't know, I'm not sure where I'm getting at with this, but do you see where women are treated one way, men are treated another way? Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, the idea of bisexual women, bisexual women are kind of are, are seen as unicorns, like, oh, my God, you know, she's interested in men and women. We can do so many different things with her. Um, but the idea is, and it's, there's this very weird uh, double standard, is that bisexual men are not e- as easily accepted, um, even in an open-minded community or in the open-minded lifestyle. It makes me crazy sometimes. So um, I, you'll notice, um, or maybe people in the lifestyle will notice that um, men who are bisexual or who do want to play with other men who might not even identify as bisexual, maybe they're bi-curious, maybe they just want to know what it's like, um, they might not feel comfortable playing with other men in a public setting. So uh-huh. at a swingers club, you will very rarely, if ever, uh, see two men playing together. You'll see it maybe more happen in like private settings. And I mean, I'm talking specifically for North America because it might be different in other countries. It might be different in Europe where it's a bit more common. But in North America, from my experiences, it is very uncommon for men to play openly with each other. And I think it's crazy because I think it's super sexy and so do a lot <laughs> of other people. <laughs> so there really is a double standard. So yeah. it's almost like it's okay to be a bisexual woman here and, and that's cool and that's erotic, but oh no, you, you, if you're a man, don't, you know, don't touch other men in these settings is really yeah, the message and- here. And we're talking about specifically more heteronormative, um, you know, very uh, traditional or, I mean, traditional, we're talking about swinger clubs here, but I mean. (laughs) Let's call them traditional swingers clubs. They've been around for a while, so they could be traditional. (laughs) Uh, Hang out with us a few more minutes because I want you to be able to give us some uh, tips or advice for couples who are interested in venturing from monogamy into a non-monogamous relationship. We're talking with uh, Lexi Silver. She's an expert in this area. With Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. We've been talking about consensual, non-monogamous relationships with uh, Lexi Silver. You can find her. Uh, actually, where could pe- people find you? Where can you find me? <laughs> I know. I know you can go to <laughs> sdc.com for sure, uh, but you, for your erotic novels and such. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at LexiSilver.com, Lexi with an I, Silver with a Y. And you can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at LexiSilver. Wonderful. Uh, Yeah. And your new book, Mating Season, is coming out when? Uh, It is coming out this 
fall. So stay tuned. It is going to be steamy. (laughs) (laughs) You and your erotic stories. Mm -hmm. Boy, oh boy. Um, All right. Now, maybe you can offer some tips for couples who maybe are not in this, uh, have not explored this yet, but may be interested in going from a monogamous relationship to a uh, non-monogamous relationship. Not not cheating, but consensual. So where do they begin? How, do, how should they address this together? Well, that's a great question. And like you said, a lot more people are starting to uh, open their minds to uh, this kind of idea, this kind of st- uh, relationship. So first, I, I suggest that you, per, if you're the person who wants to initiate this and you're not sure how your partner feels, first t- take a minute, think about your reasons. Why do you want to be in a consensually non-monogamous relationship? Is it you are maybe having problems with your partner and you think it'll fix things? Because the answer was no, it will not. That's right. Um, is it um, that you want to spice things up with your partner? Is it you want to explore some fantasies that you know that your partner is not interested in? Try to think of what your reasons are and why you might want to do it. Then learn more about it. So there are so many misconceptions about swinging and open relationships and all different kinds of non-monogamy. So do your research. So first, like, look it up. See if you could talk to some people about it who might know more than you do. I have a ton of podcasts on this as well. You can find on my site uh, on non-monogamy and swinging and and polyamory. So learn more about it before you actually address uh, this topic with your partner. And like I was saying before, when you asked me that question, like how to kind of approach it, um, you know, it is a sensitive topic. You're talking about sharing your body or your 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 and your mind and your your emotions, uh, because there are emotions involved, different kinds of emotions. No matter what you do, it is sensitive. So if you're going to bring this up to your partner, and whether you've been together for five months or ten years, it's irrelevant. It could be potentially sensitive. So approach from a very sensitive place where you're not making it into a thing. Mm. Try to ask questions. Uh, before you lo- jump on them with, hey, I want to have sex with other people. Right. Feel, some, um, feel them out. Feel, feel yeah. out how they, th- how they think about that. Because if you present a scenario to them and they respond with, oh, that's horrible, or I would never do this or whatever, then you're not going to push any further. Well, exactly. And then and you might not get the answer that you want, right? You want your your partner to at least feel uh, like they're curious or open to hearing more about it or learning more about it. They Don't expect an answer right away. Because if you expect an answer right away, typically the answer will be no. Right. You have to give your partner space to ingest what you've said and take some time to think about maybe if they are at all interested in it and then what it would look like. So take the time to do it on an individual basis and approach it from a good place. Be patient when you express it. Um, and if your partner does say, hey, you know, I am curious about it, do your research together. Make it a, make it a couple things. So learn more about it together. If you decide yeah. to venture into it and your partner's like, hey, yeah, okay, I'm okay with uh, the idea of exploring uh, to go to a swingers club. Cool. doesn't mean you go to a swingers club and you have sex with everybody you see. You start <laughs> slow, right? Uh, you could do that if that's something you both want to mm-hmm. do. I don't recommend it. I think that the first First thing that you should do is just be in a space with other like-minded individuals. So go out together. You can go to a swingers club. You don't even have to go to the area, the play areas. You can just go to the, the main bar, yeah. hang out with some people, ask them about their experiences. How did they get into the lifestyle? People, we love talking about this. People in the lifestyle community, 99% of the time, uh, we will be happy to talk to you about our own journeys. Right. So 
listen to what we have to say. It doesn't mean that it's right for you. It doesn't mean that our stories are going to be like your stories, but just listen and learn a little bit more. Then the first, the next time you go to a swingers club, if you enjoy your first experience, uh, you can maybe, you know, um, make out with each other or maybe make out with one other person, whatever you previously agree upon before you go out. There's got to be a ton of communication there. You can't just decide, you know, you're going to go in and have sex, even though you agreed, hey, we're going to go to a club and only flirt with other people. Right. You got to start slow, baby steps. There's no rush there. You can always go back. The worst thing you could do is rush into a situation both of you are not happy with, and then you end up uh, in um, in a bad place where right. there's really no going back. Right. And then neither of you want to go back into exploring again because that you kind of uh, made it difficult for that to happen. Right. I have to say, uh, a little while back, I got an email from uh, a guy who who never considered himself non-monogamous or, or considered himself a lifestyler, but would not, when he was dating people, wouldn't tell them. And then he, he asked the question like, oh, at what point, you know, he, he was saying like, I usually wait till I'm with them for quite a while before I bring it up. And I was like, no, you can't do that because you've got to, if you already know going into a relationship, if you're a single person and you already know you're non-monogamous, shouldn't that be like something that is said up front? than hoping that you're going to convince somebody to be non-monogamous? I love that you said all those things because I feel like we should all have that conversation, even with monogamy. You can't sit down in front of somebody anymore and just assume that they're going to be monogamous when you start dating them. You have to have that conversation. So just the same way that you would negotiate um, or talk about the fact that you feel like you are more non-monogamous and you want to engage in consensual non-monogamy, the same thing should apply for monogamy. I think that should be a standard is talking about what your relationship preferences are. I think in general, and as far as you know, when you yes, you should be upfront about it. Um, doesn't have to be like right before you meet, but if it's something you feel strongly about, That's um, right. you know, if, if you if you know that you're polyamorous and you have another partner, or you know that you want multiple partners, you know that not everybody you're going to meet is going to be um, okay with that kind of relationship structure. Then you need to talk to them in advance when you do meet somebody and say, hey, Make you know, clear. I'm polyamorous. Um, exactly, because the yeah. worst thing you could do is uh, you know be in situation where you become invested yeah uh, and, and then, then just hope and you yeah. know keep your fingers crossed that they're going to say yes uh lexi people are uh, texting wanting to know where they could meet you so uh, <laughs> give out your uh give out your your social media handles once again please absolutely find me on facebook twitter and instagram at lexi silver that's lexi with an i silver with a y and you can find everything on my website at lexisilver.com wonderful i look forward to your book when it comes out you'll have to be a guest and come talk to us about erotic fiction as well and erotica for women so appreciated having you and your expertise uh, shared uh, with our listeners tonight thank you so much lexi Thank you so much, Lori. All right. Uh, that's Lexi Silver. Again, LexiSilver.com. All right, I want to get back to the text board and get some questions that came in throughout the show. Uh, hi, Lori. Have you heard about the uh, Oze blended orgasm uh, device? I did hear about it, although uh, blended orgasm is a bit of a misnomer. An orgasm is an orgasm, and what this device is, it's not just that device, but there are many devices like it. They're sex toys, basically – 
that are G-spot stimulators, but they, they go in, there's a part that goes in and there's a part that stays out. And the part that stays out is the part that's at the same time as it's uh, uh, like stimulating the G-spot area, which we now know is kind of like the internal structure of the clitoris and the out the external structure of the clitoris at the same time. So they call that the blended um, blended orgasm. It's a it's a hands free device uh, that does that does both. So I can't tell you whether it's good or bad or any of that, but it, it's just that kind of device. And a few different uh, companies make similar types of things. Another question: Hey, I'm 18 year old male and I identify as a furry, but I have a hard time identifying my fursona. How can I identify my fursona? If there's any furries out there, please give some advice. I'm going to uh, refer you uh, on Facebook. There are a whole bunch of groups. Uh, one of our guests that's a, a regular guest on our um, on our Alternative Sexuality Night is uh, one of the founding, I think, founding members of Woof MTL. So Woof MTL, if you do, if you search for that on uh, Facebook, you're going to find a whole bunch of groups. There's a Pup Mag. There's Pup Mon- uh, Montreal. Quebec puppies and maître. I mean, there's a, so many meetup groups and uh, forums where you can actually talk to other furries. So that might be something that you could uh, you could explore. That's it for me, folks. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me. Thanks to our technical producer, Brian Kalisar. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com. Don't forget, send in your questions anytime. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, and remember to live your life with passion.